merciful and forgiving God, open our minds and our hearts to seek the dignity and justice of all, to trust in your presence and in your abundant love. Amen. Please be seated. Scripture reminds us that we have a responsibility to care for one another. Every time I think, maybe I shouldn't say X thing because it may come off too Y. You know, you're afraid to kind of ruffle the feathers or say something that may stir something uh, too much for someone. But then, I, then the scripture sign shifts that thought process for me. Because the scripture calls us to seek new meaning. Theologian Gusto Gonzalez invites us to wrestle with scripture. And this is why Jesus taught using parables. We do not get definite answers from reading them. What we get are stories that are transformative with imagery and metaphors, and today they are centered around justice. And how do we talk about justice without speaking about our current realities and without getting uh, sometimes too political? Tomorrow we celebrate Indigenous Peoples Day, the first Indigenous Peoples Day since the Episcopal Church registered its support for this movement. Not here at Trinity, because someone can fact check me, but I know that I've heard Reverend Hannah mention it before here in this community. The resolution passed in our most recent general convention, and this resolution says observance of Indigenous Peoples Day would serve or serves as a celebration and a remembrance of the Indigenous peoples who have for thousands of generations safeguarded the land and who, in the face of cultural genocide, preserve their languages, traditions, stories, and ceremonies for future generations, seeking the justice of every human being. And today, if you're like me, you begin with a smile and end up kind of scratching your head like, what just happened? In our Old Testament lesson, Isaiah started with this song to his beloved that ended with disappointment. This is a song that shows us the pain and efforts of, of God. We get a glimpse of this gardener who worked really hard on doing all the things to ensure a fruitful harvest made sure his vineyard was on the very fertile hill, and the gardener, gardener expected grapes, the best grapes, but instead yielded wild grapes, not the desired outcome. Isaiah probably singing this song to a group of people who knew the effort it took to care for these grapes, right? Knew that it took some time and a specific, the specific tasks of removing big rocks and making space to, to allow uh, and to plant there. And so it made me wonder, are there any grapes, any wild grapes in your life? As a first-time parent, I feel this very, very much. You, you research all the things, right? Now, full disclosure, what I'm about to share also shows the new opportunities, the new privileges provided to me by my parents. Because when I tell my mom about some of these things, she kind of looks at me a little confused because her concerns and resources were different from when I was born. So anyway, got that out of the way. First, it was the bottles, right? Which ones are the best ones? 
so they won't be colicky because we don't even know what colicky is but we just you know made up with the term for this behavior that is crying and we don't understand it and we don't know how to describe it other than calling it colic right so googling all the bottles the three the ones with three pieces the ones with ten pieces the ones that like have only one thing to wash and you you're like navigating all these different things and then you go on with the the, the clothes that they're supposed to be wearing, the diapers, the strollers, the bibs, the best routines for your baby to sleep through the night and have like the perfect schedule. And most recently for me, it's been the shoes, right? All the, re the, the, all the research about the shoes. They shouldn't be wearing shoes inside. They should only be wearing them when they're outside to protect them. They're supposed to be wide. They're supposed to be this way. And, and you, you know, so you're, here I am researching all these, and my mom's like, yes, some of you are looking around, looking at each other, yes, that is the look my mom gives me too, she's like, you were just barefoot, baby, um, and so you're doing all this research, right, and I'm, and I'm just like looking for the sales at that, the, the right store for the shoes, and, and we model the behavior because, you know, as new parents and first-time parents, you're like, we want to, and as a, you know, as a, having been a teacher and taught before that, that those um, habits, you know, kind of stay and then transfer to this. And so I'm like, we have to model. We have to model the behavior we want. So we're going to walk everywhere we go. Look, we're walking. Hold each other's hand, right? And, and, and so here we are with this 20-month-old of mine, right? Come on, Ijita. Ijita means little daughter. And, and, but instead, she decides she wants to run full force, falls down, and scrapes her knee and starts to cry. I don't know who's, who's more hurt, if she is or I am, after everything I've been doing, right? Who can relate? Let down by the outcome of something. Meticulously following a recipe, and it doesn't turn out as you expected. Now, it can be as simple as my example, but it can also be something a lot more painful to talk about, maybe a relationship, a project. And then, right, so scripture invites us into this conversation. What does it mean for me today, right? So, and so in, in the planning and thinking of today, I thought, well, yeah, some of us have wild grapes, right? And they're, it, you know, it's, it's outside, but, but then, but, but what if they're not? What if the wild grapes are in us? Fear, anxiety, things that hold us back. And of course, you know, you, you're, you go to church and so you think, well, you know, my, my faith is strong so I shouldn't have all this anxiety around doubts or about X thing, right? For many years, I dealt with imposter syndrome. I thought, how can this daughter of immigrants have anything to offer to this church? I grew up in Gulfton. You Google it. Our zip code is listed among the most dangerous. And for some time, this prevented me from doing this work that I love. And now, don't get me wrong, this still comes up once in a while. But now I think I have the resources to keep me grounded. The people, the relationship, this community, And one might think, but if that's the case, then, you know, if we're reading Isaiah and this song, it doesn't turn out too good, right? Where is God's mercy for us who may be wild grapes? 
God sent his one and only son to die for us so that we could experience love. God expected justice. God expected peace. And instead, there was blood and division of his people. James Baldwin, theologian James Baldwin reminds us that it, I think it's better to know that you don't know. That way you can grow with the mystery as the mystery grows in you. But these days, of course, everybody knows everything. That's why so many people are lost. We don't want to admit what we don't know. Afraid of those, uh, those doubts and those questions that arise for all of us. And in our gospel, Jesus has made it to Jerusalem, right, today. And here we hear the second of three consecutive parables. The vineyard is a metaphor for Israel, with God as the landowner, the Jewish leadership as the tenants, the prophets as the slaves, and Jesus as the son. And when we read it, it with, with that um, context, and that in, in that context, and with that information, we are able to open up and, and see what the invitation is for us today. To ask ourselves, what is the vineyard a metaphor for today? Who are the tenants, the slaves? What role do I play in God's vineyard? What role does the church play in God's vineyard? Recently, the General Convention Office released a tool to help us, uh, to help us better understand parochial report data. Now this is a lot of church jargon that it is, you may not find interesting, but if you do, you can always find more information by just going to generalconvention.org online and you can find uh, just an explanation of this. But, but what I gathered is that uh, the different trends that, that have come out recently show that, that it's not all downward. There are definitely less people going to church. But the finances remain somewhat strong. So we have currency, and not just of money. We have an abundance of different types of currency. So what is the church, or what are we as individuals being called to do? How do we use what we have to seek the dignity of every human being? I think we speak to current issues, and we use our platforms to engage in difficult conversations, those that we engage in with others who think differently than, from us. This month, I was invited to preach and celebrate at the Seminary of the Southwest to celebrate Hispanic Heritage Month. This one-week celebration turned into a whole month in 1987. So as you all may, may know or not know, uh, it's the, the Hispanic Heritage Month is celebrated from September 15th through October 15th. And so this, it turned into a whole month in 1987 because a U.S. representative from California proposed expanding the observance to, co to cover its current 31-day period. He wanted more time so that the nation could proper, properly observe and coordinate events and activities to celebrate Hispanic culture and achievement. Which today, in writing, and, and when I say it, it, it sounds beautiful, right? Celebrating 
the contributions of others, but how do we celebrate the diversity and the many offerings of Hispanic Latino people and at the same time deny them basic rights? And so I leave you with the same question I left the students and the seminarians at Seminary of the Southwest. How will you continue to celebrate the contributions of Latinos today, even when it makes you uncomfortable and even when it is not within these walls? seeking the justice of every human being. We do this by becoming aware of the pains of others. And I end with this statement from the Episcopal Church and the Public Policy Office. We offer our prayers and support during this time of violence in Israel and Palestine. In Luke 1941, we are reminded that when Jesus drew near and saw the city, he wept over it. Many still weep. We pray for those who have been killed, injured, are searching for loved ones, and are struggling with grief and fear. The Episcopal Diocese of Jerusalem has consistently advocated for peace and justice, teaching us all what it means to walk in the way of love to which Jesus points us to. We are praying for Israelis and Palestinians. We give thanks for the dedicated staff at Arab Hospital in Gaza, part of the Episcopal Diocese of Jerusalem, and for all who are offering medical care in the region. We pray for their strength and safety. We pray that there is de-escalation and that the root causes of violence and oppression may be confronted and challenged so that a new understanding of peace prevails. May we join into that prayer in all that we say and in all that we do. Amen.